0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, Church. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're gonna be in the last half of the second chapter or the third chapter of 2 Timothy and into the fourth. Uh, this morning, And we're continuing in our series called Pathways, which is a visual for us, a, a uh, word picture of what it means to follow Jesus, to follow him on the pathway of discipleship where he changes us, where he teaches us. And that the benefit of Pathways is not that these things that we're talking about, because we're focusing in this series over six, seven weeks. We're focusing on the three things we know the scriptures teach us that God uses to shape us. And these are not things that make us holy, but they help us draw close to the Holy One. And as we follow Jesus on these pathways, we learn things, we know things, we, we grow, we're shaped by Him, and then we are sent forward into the world to do work. And as we look at this, I, I want to just remind you, I'll kind of do it in reverse order today. Uh, in the back of the room are two tables that have lamps lit on those. And at the end of each and every service, at the conclusion... Uh, of the preaching moment, there's an opportunity that an invitation, if you will, for those to go to the table that have, maybe you're journeying with Jesus and you're struggling. Uh, you're, you have some questions, you need prayer, you need encouragement, you, you're looking for some resources that might help you grow or a conversation with the pastor and you, you would just like to connect. It's a big room. There are a lot of people in here right now and it's intimidating to be the only person to stand up. Some people say it takes a lot of courage uh, to to make a decision in a large group. Yeah, it does. But if you want something bad enough, you'll show courage. So we want to encourage you, this is a safe place. And at the end of today's message, and at the end of every message, there will be people back at those tables for you to go have a conversation with. If we can pray with you, encourage you, answer a question, connect you with a counselor or a pastor, that's why we exist. This isn't just for a sermon. This is much bigger than that. It's for a community of faith that helps you walk on the pathway as you grow. Last week, we began talking about the scripture, the the Bible, the words of God, and we talked about what they do for us. We talked about their creativity, that God speaks something out of nothing by his mere words, that his words have power, their creative power, that God has a cleansing power, that he can fix us, he can heal us, he can restore us, that God has a convicting power, that he tells us what is real, what is true, and how to find life. And that is a a challenging power, that God is always going to stretch our faith. He's going to call us deeper into himself. And by becoming deeper into him, we become more like Jesus and we find our completeness in that, in who Jesus is. I want to take that today and I want to go a little bit deeper into one of those four that we talked about last week. I want to talk about the convicting power of God's word. And I want to show you how it does what it does. Because we're living in a world right now where it seems to me that the Bible is treated as an antique document, as something that used to have relevance, like a, an old Dickens novel that once was really cool in its day, and it's got a lot of archaic memories, but it doesn't represent today's world. And I, I want to show you that I think that's a complete misunderstanding if that is true. But when I talk about the convicting power, I want you to remember that there's a difference between condemning power and convicting power. Uh, Condemnation says you can't, you haven't, you won't, you're done. Condemnation is written off your opportunity. You've been judged guilty, and that is the end of it. Decision rendered, verdict on its way. So in in the midst of all that, you realize, okay, condemnation says it's over, but conviction isn't condemnation. Conviction is this is what needs to change. This is what's challenging you. This is what's before you. Step into it. I always, not always, big statement. I had a couple of coaches in my lifetime who had no problem pointing out to me that I missed the ball, that I missed the block, that I fumbled. Now They had no problem pointing that out as if I didn't know. I never once walked back to the dugout after having struck out and go, huh, I didn't homer? Huh, go figure, right? I knew I had failed. It was the coaches who told me how to fix it it was the coaches who told me I could do it, if I just changed this or adjusted this, kept my eyes still, or if I held the ball differently, or lowered my center and got under their pads, when they gave me instruction, it gave me life. He so said, "I want you to read with me chapter three, verse 14. Paul's writing to a church, to a preacher in a church, in the context of us, not just the preacher. He says, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Training, not trying. He says, you know what you've been taught. Put it into practice. Remember where you came from. Remember what the word of God has told you and what it has instructed you and, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. By knowing them, by training in them. By paying attention to what the Holy Scriptures are saying, we not only know salvation, we know the wisdom of a life of salvation. You see, the Word of God is not just to tell us we can be saved, the Word of God actually instructs us on how to live that out, how to experience it every day, to truly find our completeness in Jesus in our lifetime. You see, when churches like us get together, it doesn't matter the color of the skin, the region of the world, the dialect, or even the denomination. There's a bunch of good things we can do when we get together. There's a lot of good things we can spend our time on. But one of the things that caused me and my family to to want to move to Orinoco, which is quite a miracle, to be honest with you, that made us want to come to this glorious metropolis of (laughs) Orinoco was the fact that the elders, the leaders of this church looked me in the eyes and said, we want to be a people of the word. We want to be a, a church that's about the Bible. Not about preachers' opinions. Not about the politics or the front page of the Joplin Globe. We want to preach the Word of God. We want people to know what the Word of God says. And man, I was dying for a chance like that. And one of the reasons I came, and I hope we've been faithful to it, is because from the direction of God's Word, we find the direction of our lives. And without the direction of God's Word, we're all making it up. And there's no guarantee any of it will ever work, if it ever does at all. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10... The prophet says as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Stop. Isaiah is saying this, that God has built a system that when God provides what he provides, things happen. Now, since it's been, since it hasn't rained since 2019, we're aware of this, right? Right. I mean, I I say that facetiously, but I know there's some farmers in here who seriously, it's not a joke to them. Their livelihoods, there's a lot on the line for them right now. And I I was at Race Brothers over in Carthage uh, getting something fixed and having a conversation with some old timer who I think he knew God in high school. He'd been around a while. And he he and I were talking and he said, yeah, my grass has gone dormant. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you know what'll happen? First time it rains, that grass is going to come back to life. It's just waiting on what it needs. And I, was, I walked out of that place going, there's a sermon illustration. <laughs> Think about it. Grass can't water itself. Grass needs the source outside of itself to find life. And when it's not getting what it wants, it shuts down. And when that rain comes, that grass is going to start to rejuvenate. Not because of what it did, because of what it's done to it. I want you to keep that in mind as I read the rest of the verse. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. The word of God is not an option. It is the life source. It is what brings us back to life from our dormancy. It's what changes us and vitalizes us and and does all the things that we need to be alive. You see, the word of God produces wisdom for life beyond just being saved. It says in verse 14, continue in what you have learned Continue, don't stay put, don't settle. Don't say, I read the Bible once, yay. It's not a Dickens novel, you don't know the full story. Read, let the spirit speak, let God bring life and wisdom. We all know the experience if you've read the scripture. There are moments you read it and you miss it and then you read it again and something that you were not ready to understand back then comes to life today. Because it's a living, breathing document. Remain, abide, continue, invest. The whole, in what? The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Word of God is where our faith is born. It's what brings our faith out of dormancy. Brings it to life, restores its vitality. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, and yet there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus was saying, I am speaking the revelation of God, the purposes of God. I'm showing you by my teaching and by my words that God has given me this message to deliver to you that you might find life. And he says, but some of you are choosing not to believe those words. You're trusting in your own wisdom instead of the wisdom that God is sending to you. Peter said it this way, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. This real life giving, vitality restoring, purposeful message. God does not speak a word unintentionally. And God does not speak possibilities, He speaks facts. How do I know this? Because in verse 16 it says, All scripture is God breathed, inspired, spoken. There's much debate on what inspiration means. I don't believe that all of a sudden Paul's right arm started moving violently and he wrote out the book of Romans. I don't believe in that robotic inspiration. There's a lot that can be said on it. Elijah Daly has taught a class on how the scriptures came to be and what they mean. I would encourage you, go back in the archives on our website and look up some of those teachings. And if you have any interest in that, I give you some books, some about a thousand pages and some about 150 pages, depending on what you want. That will challenge you. I'll caution you, be careful on YouTube. The ability to produce a statement on what the Bible means doesn't mean it's right. You have, to, you have to be careful your teachers. But I'd love to share some because when it says God, all scripture is God-inspired, God-breathed, it's not inconsequential, and it's very intentional. God gave a message to the prophets and the New Testament writers that we, generations later, are still benefiting from because it's true. Now, it was 1986. Uh, I was, at a, I was a, going into my, well, it was a junior fall at Great Electrician College in Lansing, Michigan, where I went, did my undergrad and I was there, and a professor named George Staley walked up to me one day in the hallway, and he said, hey, Mark, would you interview with this church for a youth ministry position? And I laughed, and I said, George, I'm not a youth ministry major. In fact, I hadn't even picked my major yet. I said, I'm not a youth ministry major, and I'm not taking a youth ministry class. And he smiled and he goes, I know, they won't hire you. So with that moment of confidence, he said, I just need you to go to the interview so they have someone to interview. There's three of you. So basically, go be the dummy that makes the other guy look good. I'm like, I got that down, Pat. So I showed up to the interview, and I was hired. Yes. And Heather and I spent 22 years with those wonderful people. And I told them, I didn't take a youth ministry class, and they said, well, yeah, we noticed, but you came in your baseball uniform, which is a part of the story, and they said, and all of the kids in our youth group are athletes, and we thought, you'll connect with them. It's beautiful. beautiful. And in 1986, I started in October and in November, a gentleman came into my office and he gave me some commentaries. He goes, I don't know if you have any of these, because I had bought some in college, but I only bought my textbooks. I couldn't afford anything else. And he gave me these books. And one was a commentary by a man named Dr. Warren Wiersbe who was teaching in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time and a a prolific author and just very, very devotional and practical commentaries. And he had a definition of this text. I was asked to teach this text on a Wednesday night Bible study and I was going through it. I've never forgotten it. No, No exaggeration. November 1986, I discovered this. I have taught this over and over and I will till the day I die because it is useful and memorable and it helps me answer this question. Why in the world should I study the word of God? I'm gonna use Paul's words but I'm going to use Dr. Wiersbe's hook. And here it is. The words of God teach what is right. They teach what is right. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Teaching describes content. Why would God send a message to his people? So we might know what is Right? In a world that questions everything, we can know what is right. We can know what is true. We can know what is holy. We can know what is just. Why, because we're so bright? No, because God has told us. He's given us content. He has correctly taught us. I've had a few arguments with a spouse and friends and brothers and mom and dad who have said things to me in my lifetime. Mark, you always think you're right. Well, let's pause for a moment. A, I do. And B, why would I say it if I didn't think it was right? I don't stand up to say I'm smarter than anybody, but I really wouldn't. I don't go making stuff up. I wouldn't stand up here and start making stuff up to impress you if it weren't true. I have to answer to God for that. So there comes a moment in time where we have conviction, we're right. But here's the beautiful part. When our convictions are wrong, God is always right. When it's unpopular, God is always right. And he's trying to teach his people about his truth. The scripture is useful, it's beneficial, it says. In Hosea chapter 4, the prophet Hosea was given a message from God to say to the priests of his day, the people who were in charge of teaching what is right, he said, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. He put it on the priest. You're not teaching God's laws. Now, in America, when I say the word laws, we instantly think a list of do's and a list of don'ts. It is much more vast than that. The law of God was not a list of behaviors. The law of God was his ways. The why's behind the what. The why's behind the don't. The why's behind the do. It's trusting in the character of God who gave us this message. And he told these priests, you're not doing your job. You're not teaching what is right. And the people are failing because they don't know the standard for which they were created. Not only does it teach us what is right, the words of God confront what is not right. Notice that there's two ways to pose this. He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for rebuking. That's an interesting word. It means to confront someone with a view toward conviction, about misbehavior, about sin. Parents... Rebuke your children if you love them. You don't let poor behavior go by. If you truly love them, there are moments where, you know, I, I get the, well, they're just really tired and cranky right now and they're kind of pitching a fit because they need to take a nap. I totally get that. Live through that era, grateful, that's beyond me. But that behavior becomes present and regular. It's not useful to them, is it? If you love someone, you don't let them drink poison. If you love someone, you don't let them be a brat. If you, if you love someone and you want them to live in community, you got to teach them that sometimes what's best for all of us isn't always best for some of us. And this is what it means to rebuke. Now, the world thinks that the church just gets off on this. This is our favorite thing, man. We love walking around, stop it. That's not really true. If you do it out of love, it's what the church ought to be. If you do it because you feel superior, knock it off. You see, the first work, uh, the rebuking work of the word is towards sin in the life of a person. In Hebrews chapter four, the Word of God is active, living and active. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You're actually calling in to question the heart of a person and why they're doing what they're doing. It penetrates into philosophies and, and self-protections. It reveals what is not right or good. I've had a couple of conversations in the last six months. I really wish I could remember who the genesis of this conversation is, because I do like to cite my sources if I can but it's been interesting that from a parenting standpoint that there's, we tell, you know, you tell your kids you're a good boy and a good girl or you're being a bad boy and a bad girl and there's some caution behind that. Now, if you've done that, you haven't wrecked your children, I hope, but there may be a better way to do it. Like, you know, to a dog, you can say good dog, bad dog. To a cat, you can say only bad cat, right? (laughs) I mean, it's the only option you truly have. But with your children, You really don't want to identify them as good or bad, but you can identify their behavior. And this person, whoever recommended it to me, it was clicked in my head like, I wish I'd have done that as a parent was foolish or wise. That's foolish behavior. That's wise behavior. That's the way God would have you do it. That's the way God would ask you not to do it. See how this works? The word of God teaches us what is right and what is not right. In John 3, everyone who does evil, hates the light, and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. It's true. God's word doesn't ask our opinion. We don't get to vote if God's right. He is, and he's loving and good, and we can trust him. The most common asked question, I think it's safe for me to say this without exaggerating, the most commonly asked question in the last five years in my ministry directly to me has been, would I be welcome in your church? It's like, wow, yeah if I can preach here, you can come here. And they look at me, they go, no, 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 I need to know. Will I be welcome in your church? What are you asking me? Are you welcome to come sit in the presence of almighty God and praise his name for his goodness and his wisdom and his value? Yes, if you're coming into a place that says, I'm not going to change, I'm gonna be exactly who I am because this is who I wanna be and God's supposed to accept that, then you are welcome here, but you won't feel comfortable here. Why? Because we're such a superior place? No, because a Bible-teaching church will never be a safe place for sin. It can't be. If you're going to teach the Bible, we're going to talk about what is right and what is not right, and we're all going to come under its conviction. Can I have an amen? amen? If anybody in this room today wants God to approve your lifestyle, you take that up with him. You can't take it up with the church. This going because we're, gonna, we're only responsive to what God has taught. It says in Hebrews 4, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to him to whom we must give an account. So when God says is right, is right. And what God says is not right, will never be right. Now you may assume in this moment, you know what I'm talking about. You don't. Anything that comes up in culture. It's so easy to pick on the big ticket items. Let's talk about lying Let's talk about cheating. Let's talk about intentional deception to gain an advantage. What has God said? It's wrong. Justify it all you want. It's it's poison. And do not think that you can successfully sin and it be useful. So we've gone from content now to conduct. The third thing, so we have what is right, what is not right, it's funny, if ever I move, because I never move, right? If I step over here, all the cameramen just panicked. Because <laughs> they're out having coffee. Okay, so, I'll say right here. What is, they are, actually. What is right, what is not right. And the third one, the word of God corrects us in order how to be right. Here's good news, church. It's not just that God tells us what's right and wrong. He actually shows us how to get fixed. His word brings healing and strength. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for correcting. Amen. Now, if I looked up that word, I love the fact that the word of God has the ability to fix me when I can't. It teaches me what he has offered me. Remember, we try to see in scripture who God is, who I am in comparison, and what God has done for me. Fix me. It's actually the Greek word for correction there is to lift you up and straighten you up. I hate aging. I do, it's not being bald, I'm cool with that. My my get ready time is one half of yours, and I'm grateful. I've had to go to a chiropractor in the last month. I hate that. And he will pin me down and jump on my back and knock the air out of me and ask me how I'm doing. I can't answer. I can't breathe right now. <laughs> He's pulling on my body and moving things around, and he gave me a wonderful explanation, another illustration. I said, so what are you doing? And he said, here's what's happened. He said, Mark, your body from whether sports or just being overweight or whatever you've done to your body over time, it has found a position it's comfortable in and it thinks that's normal. It's wearing on your muscles and your structure. He said, I'm trying to teach your body what is normal by adjusting you regularly. He said, it might take six to eight weeks to get your body used to what it was made to be. And I thought that'll preach. What does the word of God do? It adjusts us. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes my body makes noises when he lays on my back that should not make. And I can get up and walk. I don't always feel better after he's done, but after a couple of days, I feel like, wow, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be. This is what the word of God does. It adjusts us. It straightens us up. It fixes us. Amen. Acts twenty thirty two. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Interesting and give you an inheritance among all those who have been sanctified. Sanctification is a process by which God restores us to our original condition, brand new in him. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, and this is all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the word world to himself in christ not counting men's sins against them and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation we were away from god we were broken in our relationship we told god to leave us alone he let us out on our own we got lost and broken and distorted and everything was a mess and he said i sent jesus to bring you back not only to show you what is right and wrong but to show you how to get right and jesus did that and he said now guess what church Your job is to take my words into the world and offer people a restored relationship with God, not a condemnation, an opportunity. What is right, what is not right, how to get right. And the fourth thing I learned from Dr. Wiersbe, the word of God trains us in righteousness so that we may remain right. What's right, what is not right, how to get right and how to stay right. How do we live out righteousness? Righteousness is not perfection. Righteousness is when I'm right with God, I'm right with my own soul, and I'm right with you. When I'm living properly with God, in respect to God, respect to my own nature of being made in the image of God, and then my respecting and living righteously with you as someone made in the image of God as well. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Training, not trying. The word of God is what we need to implement to advance our allegiance to the kingdom. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. The kingdom of heaven is more than not going to hell. The kingdom of heaven is living with the almighty God It's following Jesus as a disciple, an apprentice, learning every day. Dallas Willard says the most important decision you and I can make every day of our lives is to wake up and keep the words of God at the forefront of our mind. To focus on who he is and who I am and what he's done for me and how I might live because of that. Live. Don't wait to die to experience the kingdom. Live in it today and let the word of God speak. What is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. In chapter four, verse one, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. That's not what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing is a component of that. But we've turned the word preach into a profession instead of an action. Proclaim the word. Be prepared, each one of us. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. If we have the ministry of reconciliation, it begins in our training, our training to take the word seriously, to measure what is right and not right, how to be right, how to stay right, how to grow, how to experience in a world that's looking for why should I read the Bible? It's just a Dickens novel. I read it once. No, it's not. It is the power of God unto salvation. It expresses faith. It brings life. It shows us how to live and it gives us a life worth living encourage you this week, train your mind in the righteousness of God. And that begins in the word, begins in the truth. You don't know where to start? Go to our webpage, Pathways. Click a couple of links. Resources galore. You can't find what you want? Reach out to one of your pastors. Just go on the church page. Connect with one of our discipleship ministers, one of our pastoral care ministers. They would love to connect you with some resources that will help you discover the word of God come to life in your life. And when the words of God come to life, we find a life worth living. This is what he's given us. What a good and gracious God that we can trust him and that Jesus shows us how to live a life where the words of God lead us. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.